For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. It is already. Find out. Okay, it is already. Well, that explains one of those. It's um, Tyler Beebe. Okay. Matt Bush is also active today. So I was actually asked on, I listened to 97.3 a lot. That's the, the Milwaukee sports station. Mm-hmm. They were asking why would Lamette be brought in, suited up for one game, and then immediately DFA the next day. My answer to that was that Matt Bush wasn't here yet. So he was essentially holding a place in the bullpen there for an emergency situation. Situation. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was my thought with that. But all right, we are back on Wednesdays. So we have a lot of stuff to talk about today. Definitely got to refresh some perspective because it's going to be, it's going to be tough and we're going to talk about it. But, um, before we get started, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. Um, I am not taking the Brewers news as hard as everybody else. I, What's up, brother? How you doing? Um, ever since starting this show, me and you have practiced and preached um, a wait-and-see approach. So I'm going to wait to see how everything does with these trades. Uh, I feel like the bullpen definitely got stronger, so that's a positive. Um, if the Brewers can, you know, get some leads, even, you know, they play a lot of one-run games the way it is. So having Josh Hader on the roster wasn't changing that. Yes, I understand mm-hmm. that like, bat does hurt. But, you know, we're going to get into that. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that can happen. We don't even know, you know, if Ruiz is going to come up and be a monster for us. He could just all of a sudden be a spark plug. There's a lot of stuff that can happen, man. So for all the people out there freaking out, Tyler, my man, is going to have some really good stuff. I know. Tyler Tyler can dive deep into the baseball stuff. I just like to look at it from a different perspective. So I say we get started on this Josh Hader trade. What do you got, man? Okay. I'm so, um, Matt, I will get to your question. We're going to do – we're going to talk about these in order. So we're going to start with the Hader trade, and then we'll talk Matt Bush, and then we'll talk yep. Trevor Rosenthal. That's the order we're going to do them in. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm glad you brought up the wait and see approach. What's up, James? Because um, with this, it's going to require patience. Mm-hmm. I know it's a really hard thing to look at it and say, we just traded Josh Hader, you know, one of the best relievers in baseball over the last four years. There's no way that we can ever be better. There's no way that this works out well for the Brewers just because you're losing such a big piece. Now, I'm going to get even farther and moving on to stuff beyond the season once we start talking about this deal. But like Jake said, the wait-and-see approach. I know it sucks to have to wait and see what happens, but I'm going to stress it again, patience and perspective. So we had to wait to see what was going to happen with the Trent Grisham-Zach Davies trade. Also happened with the Padres. It took about a year for Lauer and Urias to find their footing, but now they both have. Eric Lauer is having a very good season, and Luis Urias has developed into a very good player. 
Yes, he made some plays last this, time. This <laughs> he did, dude. He had a web jam in the way. Yes. It was the first or second inning. For the, um, like the first out. Yeah, you went crazy. That was the first inning. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Matt, okay. I got some stuff for, for, for the bats, too. So we're going to talk about that after the trade stuff. I have a, a, a why not a bat question. So I will get to that, too. Now, what this does now, as opposed to doing it during the offseason, is it ups the price a little bit. So the Brewers traded Josh Hader for Taylor Rogers, Denilson Lamette, who was DFA'd today. That one doesn't quite make sense, but they needed to create a roster spot, and I have a theory on why. Okay. Um, Robert Gosser and Aresti, Asteri Ruiz. Um, so looking at those four guys, we're going to leave Lamette out of it until we know if he comes back with the Brewers or not. They have 10 days to figure it out with, with him. Yep. Uh, getting Taylor Rogers back, what did you see with Taylor Rogers? specifically and then we'll go we'll go guy by guy here on these on these other three so he is second saves obviously he has more blown saves than hater he's not as locked on as hater he knew it both said it when haters on he's he's lights out he's the best in the business right but taylor rogers is a very capable guy he's pitched in the playoffs before he's pitched in high pressure situations and for me i like i like how i remember who said it I believe it was council, but talked about how now they have flexibility in the bullpen now with how they've uh, you know yep. reshaped everything. They can have this guy in the eighth, or they can have this guy in the seventh, or this guy in the ninth. You know, it's not just going to be one guy. Now they're going to kind of go back to okay, situational baseball, which is okay with me if you manage it correctly. <laughs> now council sometimes loses his marbles with how he manages stuff. I mean, like last night, Colton Wong. He, was he on tries fire. to get a little too, little too cute with some of the moves once in a he while. Does. But he does. He does. They he, work he more often himself. than they don't. He he helps yeah. himself once in a while. He doesn't need to do that. Um, we also have a bit of hindsight to know if things are going to work out or not. Right, that's true. Well, um, but to me, you know, just kind of let it ride out a little bit. Um, things are working. Just let him go. Um, but Taylor Rogers is a very capable guy. Uh, he is second in saves, by the way. Yep. Uh, I don't know if I said that redundant. Here I am. Um, but he, he's, he knows what he's doing. He's a pro. So getting yeah. him back kind of evened out the trade for me. I'm okay mm-hmm. with it. He has been struggling like hater as well. So maybe a change exactly. of scenery could get him back to, you know, being lights out like he can be, you know, with our pitching coach and our pitching staff, you know, I brought six, six statistics looking at hater and Rogers head to head. Uh, so Severino for Wong was a little, a little more questionable than bringing in Brasso for Rowdy, but um, he was going with the matchups, and on that one, Severino was actually batting really well against right-handed pitching or left-handed pitching. Pedro Severino is basically the only brewer that could hit left-handed. Was, that was that move. Um, back to Rodgers and Hayter. So Rodgers is, is older, and he's a free agent after this season. Hayter potentially has a year of eligibility of arbitration eligibility next year still. Um which I'm going to get to. So Rogers has pitched 41 innings, 41.1 innings so far this season. Haters pitched 34. Obviously Hater had the time when he was um, on like the family, the family leave list. Um, looking at saves, Hater is 29. Rogers is 28. Looking at ERA, Haters is 424. Rogers is 435. Looking at whip, Haters is 1.118. Rogers is 1.113. Um, looking at strikeouts per nine, Hater's at 15.6. Rogers is at 
and strikeout percentage. Hayter's 41.8, and Rogers is 27.6. So really, strictly looking at this season alone, mainly the only thing is, is that Rogers doesn't rely on the strikeout as much. Mm-hmm. And on the same side is that while Hayter is also a much better power pitcher, it does make him prone to the home run ball, which we have seen very recently. Yep. So that's something that, you know, that could have affected the trade. Now, when we move into what Taylor Rogers brings in addition to um, Devin Williams, before we add in Brad Boxberger, who also has experience closing, you have three guys that you could potentially mix up in any way you want here. Now, formerly, if you're looking at the Brewers, you're saying, okay, if we get to the eighth inning and it's a close game, we're going to see Devin Williams. And then we get to the ninth, we're going to see Josh Hader. And yes, Matt, the Giants definitely highlighted that one. The Twins did a little bit too. But um, we're going to see Devin Williams in the eighth and Josh Hader in the ninth. We can pinch hit a bunch of righties in the eighth and lefties in the ninth, and we can play those matchups that way. But Looking at it now, you can't just plan for how the 7th and 8th and ninth innings are going to go. You could move any of those three to any three innings of the 7th, 8th, and ninth. So that's where Craig Council is talking about that versatility, is that it doesn't make it as easy for teams to game plan how the 8th and ninth innings are going to go when it comes to close games. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting part of it for me. Now, this is going to kind of tie in with Denilson Lamette who was part of the deal apparently just for salary reasons to help San Diego get under the salary cap. And he was DFA'd um, or under the, yeah, under the luxury tax. Uh, He was DFA. David Stearns did say that he hopes to get uh, Lamette back in the minors and have a chance to keep him in the system. But so why trade for a guy just to DFA him? Now this is, this is my thought. It's really, really easy for fans to only look at this season and say, why aren't we going all in this season? But a general manager slash president of baseball operations doesn't have the luxury of only looking at this season. He also has to look at next season. So in a scenario where you're trading Josh Hader, who is scheduled to make $16 million next year, for for the Brewers, even say they go $10 million higher, to $160 million for their their payroll next year, that's 10% of your money tied up in a guy who only pitches one inning a game, not every day. So if this ends up being a situation where trading Josh Hader now means extending Corbin Burns between now and the winter, I would do this trade every single time. Oh, me too. If this move specifically results in Corbin Burns being re-signed for a blank check and however many years you want to pitch this deal is already worth it before you even consider the return. Corbin Burns is going to pitch probably four times as many innings as Josh Hader is going to. And yes, Josh Hader is dominant. He's one of the best at what he does. If not the best at what he does, but it is much easier to find a one inning replacement for the ninth inning, which you already have on your roster in Devin Williams than it is to try to find an ace-level Cy Young winning starting pitcher, especially for a small market team that can't just sign Max Scherzer for $43 million. Yeah. So, like I said, if this deal results in a Corbin Burns extension, it's worth it before you even consider the return, in my opinion. That's 
That's fair. So let's talk about Denilson Lamette. Um, yeah, go ahead. I don't have I don't have much on him, to be honest. So, uh, I mean, he, with, he had DFA'd. So yeah, with him, I mean, Craig Council said he's got one of the better sliders in baseball. Um, his velocity and movement is actually um, highlighted as a as a similar player on Baseball Savant to Drew Rasmussen, um, who was with the Brewers last year and was part of the Willie Adamas trade. Um, he throws a 97, 98 mile an hour fastball. So if, I mean, if he's, he's 30 years old, so I don't know how much, you know, how much potential he's got left to be squeezed out. Um, you know, that's, that remains to be seen. Um, you know, it's, we'll see, we'll see what happens with Matt. Matt, as far as the extension goes, uh, I'm not saying that that's strictly what's going to happen. I'm not saying that's why this is happening. That that's why they traded Hader, but it, it would be naive to think that Josh Hader potentially making, like I said, $16 million next year wasn't part of the reason why they traded him. Not just trying to maximize what they could get back for him. Um, that salary definitely is a factor. Um, and, and Corbin Burns would be the guy that you would pay immediately. Um, and I, I really don't think you take one contract like Christian Yelich's and let that affect all of the moves you make in the future. When your player, yeah, when your players are good, you pay them. You got to take it by a player by player basis, like right. age, production, what's their ceiling, position right. they play, who do age. we have behind them in the farm? Like, yep. there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And I still don't understand why everybody's still on Yelich. I think he's been good this year, and he's been an, an exceptional leadoff hitter. So, can we just like? I got, I, got, I got good stuff for Yelich, and he's he has been much better this year and even better as time has gone. Um, so let's go, <coughs> let's go to Robert Gosser. Robert Gosser, I don't know, as my dad's trying to call me. Uh, Robert Gosser, uh, this guy has 90 and one third inning pitches. This is his high A stats, um, 115 strikeouts and 28 walks. So he's a guy that has high strikeouts. He's a left-handed power pitcher. Um, absolutely nothing nothing wrong with that. Uh, if you think about how the <clears throat> Brewers are setting up this pitching staff in the next five years, we could really, really be dominant in the starting five, man. I mean, Ashby yep. looks like he's going to be the part. Um, obviously, if we bring Burns back, um, we got a guy that we just got back that's going to be starting today who we haven't seen since May, mm-hmm. uh, Freddie Peralta. I called him the right name. Let's go, baby. Thank you very much. I had to get my girlfriend to give me some water because my throat was very dry. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is live. This is live. Let's do this. Yeah. Um, you know, and then you think about you think about you know maybe Robert Gosser. We got a couple other uh, good guys down that I'm blanking on right now. But this this Brewers pitching staff can really really be set up in the next five years to be pretty dominant, man. So now looking at Gosser, um, real quick with Yelich too. Um, he's not being paid as much as, as other guys who are in that conversation. Cause you look at like Mookie Betts's contract. You look at what Juan Soto is going to get Austin Riley. Austin Riley got a really solid deal. He's going to make about $21 million a year. Yelich is making like 26. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, Yelich is probably going to give you a season that's worth say 20 million a year while he's making 26. Mm-hmm. Like I just mentioned, Max Scherzer making $43 million a year. Um, I think what is what is Betts making? Betts has got to be making close to fifty. I'll look it up. You keep going. 
Okay. So, I mean, like Mookie Betts, um, Fernando Tatis has a gigantic deal. Manny Machado has a gigantic deal, and he's batting like 206. So, Yelich got paid while he was playing at an MVP caliber, but he's not getting paid as much as other quote-unquote MVP caliber players are getting paid. There's definitely other guys getting paid way more than Yelich is and some that are doing less, like Manny Machado, who does give you elite defense, but that's neither here nor there. Getting back to Robert Gosser, David Stearns did say that he's quietly one of the better pitching prospects in all of baseball right now. Uh, He was sent to double-A Biloxi. He slotted in immediately as the – he was either number eight or nine. I know him and Ruiz came in at eight and nine on the Brewers um, MLB pipeline Mm -hmm. uh, prospect rankings. Um, Nice. So so dumb. Got to love YouTube. Um, Just real quick on the Mookie Betts uh, contract. Uh, I found an article here. It says, after being traded to the Dodgers, Mookie signed a 12-year, $365 million extension. So that's like $30 million a year. Yeah, that's yeah, it's a little over thirty yeah. million. That's about, that's about thirty. That's thirty and change. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, what did Soto just turn down? Ten for four forty. Yeah, he turned for down like a half a bill, bro. <laughs> yeah, he wanted out. He wanted out, man. So that's yeah, that's I mean that's astronomical money. Um, Scherzer's deal, I think, is only for like two years. I think he's making like two years for forty three million, but. Yeah. Um, you know, the Yelich contract, as, as quote-unquote bad as it is, it could be worse. Um, I'm not sure what Machado is making either, but he's struggling at the plate this year. and He started out his, really hot, too, and then yeah. all of a sudden just... And Tatis has a gigantic contract, and then he was hurt for the first half of the year. Like, he's, like, just now rehabbing. I um, so, I mean, it's, it's rough I- out there. And the, the thing that I wanted to bring up real quick is with the wait and see approach, let's see what happens to the Padres because they sold a lot of their farm for this, right? They're going for it. Mm-hmm. And you've got a team like, <laughs> you got a team like the Dodgers, Dodgers, right? And the Dodgers are always in it. They have a good farm and they can always sign whoever the hell they want. So let's see what happens in the next two, three years. And if the Brewers are still competitive and the Padres are ass and they're shit and they're trying to rebuild, I'm getting on everybody that was, that was about this trade. They better not let any of these people turn into stars. The Padres, if they don't win this season, like their GM and manager quite possibly fired. Yeah. They they sold their top like seven or eight prospects to get the guys they got. And it is certainly possible that Soto plays this year and next year and walks. True. That is a that is an entirely possible scenario. Josh Bell is a free agent after this season. Same thing I'm pretty with sure Brendan Brendan Drury is a free agent after this season. Soto and Hater are in the same boat. Um, yeah. They both would be eligible for free agency after 2023. Um, and, and who says Hater can't come back, man? Nobody said he can't come back. I'm not saying it's going to happen, <laughs> but it's still yeah. in the realm of possibilities. He's gonna get, he's gonna get paid. Oh, 100%. after 2023, uh, he'll be what? I don't think he'll even be 30 years old yet. Yeah, wait, isn't he 29 right now? No, he's 28. Yeah. So, Soto was offered three years, 350. Uh, that would be 29 million. And the Padres, or the Padres, the Nationals were apparently upping that, trying to get him to agree to it. So, um, 
Yeah, so that's still more than Yelich, and Yelich actually has an MVP. Soto doesn't. Granted, Soto is six years younger, but and, the, still. and he's a World Series champ. But Yelich didn't never got never got an opportunity to play in the World Series. So right. We don't know. I mean, the Brewers have lost to the World Series champion three years in a row. Yeah, think about that. <laughs> so, so there's that. But I'm gonna get to that too. But back to Gasser real quick. Um, scouts call him a three or four starter who throws strikes and locates. Uh, doesn't have velocity that blows you away. Do you know who that sounds like to me? Who are you thinking? That I, sounds like Eric Lauer. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And Lauer's turned out fantastic, <clears throat> man. Not, absolutely nothing wrong with Eric Lauer as your third third or fourth starter. For sure. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, being paid as an MVP, like Eddie Rosario just helped the Braves win a World Series. He's not an MVP either. He got paid too. Or his Solaire got paid. I mean, Jason Hayward got paid. You want to talk about bad contracts? Look at Jason Hayward since he got paid. Yeah. He's... So, <laughs> the Brewers could be in a much worse situation even though they're not in an ideal one. And Yelich's contract isn't going to shy the Brewers away from paying Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. No, Corbin Burns is uh, – he's got the stuff. I believe he's first in the majors in strikeouts now, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Yep. He, he took over that last night. I he's believe. first in strikeouts, and he's second in, like, a bunch of other things, and he's third in, like, two categories. No, he's still <clears> – <throat> Okay, and so – The Brewers still have a chance at the World Series. I know you said you wanted to get into it later, but yep. people are freaking I, out like we I just know. sold our chance by getting rid of our closer. Yep. Devin Williams is more than capable of closing out games. Yep. That's all I'm Rogers say. Rogers has the experience closing. Brad Boxberger has closing experience. I mean, it was the year before the Brewers brought in Brad Boxberger. He had 41 saves. Yeah. So now you brought this up, so I'm just going to do this before we get into Ruiz. The Brewers, like I just said, have lost to the World Series championship to champion three times in a row. So there's nothing to say that you know the Brewers get over one of these humps that that just doesn't domino effect into the Brewers potentially being a World Series champion. Now, let me ask you this. Would you rather be in a situation where you go all in for 2022, like the Padres just did, and you have a one-of-one chance to get it done? You have a one-of-one. You This is your only shot before you have to kick off a rebuild. And, you know, say they lose in the, say they lose in the NLDS mm-hmm. and or the NLCS. And Soto decides to forego arbitration, um, doesn't agree to a deal or whatever, and he ends up walking. Or say he plays next year and they lose in the playoffs next year. So call it two chances. Mm-hmm. Call it two chances to win a World Series, or do you sell high on a Josh Hader, you pay your, your rotation guys, and now you're set for, I mean, Ashby signed through 2027. So let's call it five years. Let's say you sign Burns for 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 four more years after this year. Let's say let's say that case. Now, <clears throat> Dodgers beat us in seven games. Twenty twenty is different; doesn't really count. But um, so let's say let's say you have five years. Do you want a one in two chance or a one in five chance to win a World Series? Uh, I'm not I'm not a big better, but one in five, I definitely get better odds. <laughs> right. And now we've we've talked about this a bunch of times on this show that baseball usually comes down to whoever gets hot at the end of the season. 
So do you want to take your chances five times to try to get hot and make a World Series run or twice and then have to start a rebuild? Yeah, I mean, here's here's the reality for the Brewers this year too. Uh, we could talk. We could keep it current. Uh, we're gonna be the the lowest seed, you know, for the division winners. So we're gonna have to face yep. the Dodgers right away, anyways. So if we can get past the Dodgers, that's or a the Padres, catch, or the or the Padres, if they catch them, we're gonna have to face the the big the big Kahuna right away, anyways. And who says the other big Kahuna doesn't get taken out by the Mets? You know, who says we don't face the Mets? You know, in the championship series, the Mets are a team that can go away too. Uh, when you break down the numbers and you look at their average and their slugging percentage, um, they're they're very close to the Brewers. I know people probably don't look at that stuff, but when you look when you look at it, the Mets and Brewers are very similar. They have two dominant starters. Their yep. offense can go shy. They can have big games. I mean, they're the same in my opinion. So yeah, if it's the if it ends up the Brewers and the Mets, I say we have a, good, a puncher's chance. So and I know you're gonna. This is what you're gonna hear is you're gonna hear that the Brewers beat up on the Reds and the Pirates and the Cubs. Brewers actually have the fifth best record against teams over 500, and they have the best interleague play record. Yeah, that's a big one right there, the interleague. So, the interleague. Uh, yes, the Braves are a perfect example of, of getting hot at the right time. The Braves added a bunch of position players as opposed to adding pitching. So the Brewers essentially doubled and tripled and quadrupled down on a strength and just said, we're going to try to not need to score four runs a game. We're going to try to need to score two runs a game, and we're going to try to win that way. Like, that's, yeah. that's basically what they did. They're like, this is what we're good at. This is what we can acquire for a price that makes sense. Yeah. And we're just going to grab that, and we're going to get better at what we're already good at, is essentially how I felt about the Brewers at the trade deadline. Um, and, you know, as far as weaknesses, which is hitting, we're going to get to that after we finish going through these trades. So let's talk about Esteri Ruiz. Kind of an interesting pickup. Man, he's – I was asking Tyler about him yesterday, and Tyler was like, he is fast. And the Dude, first, he's so fast. Man, it's insane how fast he is. The first thing I noticed right away <laughs> off the screen is he hit a triple. You know, I, I looked up uh, his stats, and I looked up YouTube videos. I watched a couple of those, and – the first thing I saw was him flying around the bases getting a triple, and I'm like, I don't know about you, but that's a good thing. <laughs> um, his slashes were in AAA, were uh, 344, 474, and 611. So those are good slash numbers. Um, he's just fast. He, and if he, can, if he can bring that speed ability to put the pressure on people with our home run hitting ability, I mean, no, nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think he's, he's going to be a good, good acquisition. Matt, last night is one game. They have two months before we even get to the postseason. Yeah, give it some time, man. They're gonna be. It's gonna be a couple days to to get over the Josh Hader trade. Um, Freddie's coming back, so it's gonna. And I'm gonna preface it. I'm gonna say this now already. Don't expect Freddie to go more than four innings tonight. No, okay. uh, not with the don't Brewers. don't expect him to pitch more than four innings. Don't blame Council for pulling him after 75 pitches. Just don't. Man, I, um, let me ask you a question real quick. Um, were you one of the fans last year, Packers fan last year, that was absolutely flipping out after week one? Like, like there wasn't an entire season to go after, and I'm not coming at you. I'm just asking, you know, because like Tyler said, there's still two months left. Two we months, still gotta, yeah. we still gotta give this time to gel, get these guys, you know, coached up by our yeah. coaches. I mean, the guys aren't even all here yet. Like Matt Bush just got here today. Yeah. So, um, I mean, yeah. you got, let, let them settle in a little bit, man. Get, yep. Give it. Give it two, th- two and a half weeks. 
if you give it two and a half weeks, I will respect that. And if it's sure. still not working, I'll be on, I'll be on board with you. But Dude, I'll take I'll take a week. Taking, I'll take a series even. If this just, thing, just to give it some time, and we start locking everybody down, and we're and we're winning all these games four to two, and we just start getting hot right for the playoffs. You know, who says yeah. Willie doesn't just turn it on? We don't know. We don't know Freddy. what's going to happen. There's still two months. Willie oh, just absolutely about, yeah, just become Willie the best knows. player in baseball. You know, we don't know what's going to happen. The guy definitely has some pop in his bat. So I mean, you know, what if what if Yelich finally figures out to not just hit singles? I mean, he's been awesome. Don't get me wrong. He's starting to hit to to left field and stuff. Starting to hit yeah, the outfield. field. So I called that. Yeah, you did. So <laughs> once he learns learns, uh, you know, pitchers start pitching a little bit differently because they realize that they can't just do that and force him to hit the opposite field. He starts cranking homers. I don't want to hear one more thing about his contract. We don't know what's going to happen. So let's just let it settle right. in a little bit. And this is – so I asked the question of would you rather have a one-in-two chance or a one-in-five chance? And David Stearns, he basically said the same question, but he phrased it as the statement, quote-unquote, as many bites at the apple. So Stearns wants to be in the playoffs consistently and and have that chance to win – instead of putting all of your eggs in the 2022 basket. Hey, there, there's always a Toronto Raptors, right? The Every Washington Nationals in, in 2019 won the World Series as a wild card team. Yeah, man, you never know. All and this is this is we we talked about this with the Packers too, where it's you know that you're in a situation where the Packers make the playoffs a lot. And you know that the Packers make the playoffs a lot and they've had tough losses in the playoffs. But would you rather not be in the playoffs just because you've experienced losses in the playoffs? And the answer is no, because you want that chance to win. It doesn't matter what's happened in the past. You want the chance to win. Mm -hmm. So there's no scenario where you convince me that not making the playoffs is a better situation than making the playoffs and having even a 1 in 30 chance at, at winning the World Series. You want to be in the playoffs so that you have a chance to win the World Series. Going all in in 2022, and you have to go against the Padres and the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Mets and the Astros and the Mariners, who all have really good baseball teams, and the Blue yeah. Jays and the Twins, all have really good baseball teams. There's there's nothing to say that none of those teams are more talented than the Brewers because you couldn't argue it because those teams are all very talented. But there's not a situation where you say going all in this year is the only way to win a World Series. Yes, that is the goal. But you want to be able to have continued opportunities to achieve that goal than to just try to do it one time and then say, all right, we failed, and now we'll try again in five years. I would, I would much rather get into the playoffs consistently and have a chance, even if it's a slightly smaller chance, by year than to go from, say, a 40% chance this year to a 30% chance this year by trading Josh Hader, but also having a 30% chance in 2023, 2024, 2025, 2026, than to have a 40% chance this year to go to a 50% chance this year and 0% chance for the next five. True. Look at the look what happened to the Cubs. They went a one-time in over a 100-year drought, and now they've been rebuilding ever since, basically. <laughs> I mean, they were competitive That's, for a couple yeah. of years after, but they're rebuilding right now. Look at it, and they're they're only what going to be a long one. They're they're in a position where they're in a worse record than the Pirates. And and dude, 
they're they're a much bigger market than we are. Obviously, we know Chicago is a gigantic market, so yes. they could go out and spend as much money as they want. The Cubs are one of the most popular teams in the, in the league, so if they wanted to, they can go spend a bunch of money. They got they got the money. There's nothing wrong with with the money. But the Brewers are setting themselves up for continued success, and I love it, man. Right. Right. It, what does he say? He said it feels like the front office gave up on this year, hoping that it gets easier the next few years. James I don't think says, it's a, I don't think it's a giving up situation because the so Brewers either. are even. It'd be different if the Brewers had nobody to take over the closer role, and we're they're just like screw it, we're going to put Hobie Miller in the ninth inning. Yeah, Hobie Miller has been very good, but the Brewers just slide Devin Williams over to the ninth inning. The Brewers have a guy who's been freaking dominant for damn near three straight months. Yeah. Like, I'll give you a spoiler alert. My pitcher, my power pair pitcher this week is Devin Williams. He's on 30 consecutive scoreless appearances. That's a franchise regular season, uh, single season record. Josh Hader did 37, but his was over two years and had the blemish in the playoffs. Devin Williams. Devin Williams has, he might. He's got 30 straight in one season. He hasn't given yeah. up an earned run since May 10th. That is insane. Man, think about the shit. So you slide Devin Williams in, you get arguably the second best closer in the National League, and you get, I'm going to call him Eric Lauer Light, and a dude who had 60 stolen bases in the minor leagues this year. 60! That's four times as many as Christian Yelich has this year who's leading for the Brewers. <clears throat> now, I'm going to finish talking about Ruiz, and then I'm going to get to your center fielder comment. So, Ruiz does have some sneaky power, um, and he's listen, – listen to his appearances. 226 games at second base, 89 games at center field, 10 games at shortstop, 17 games at third base, 55 games in left field, and 40 games in right field. That is a super utility player. He's not just a utility infielder or utility outfielder. That is a super utility player. Dude, he literally plays every position but first base and catcher. <laughs> uh, pitcher, but obviously. But that's, yeah, that's, that's a dude that plays six positions and has a ton of speed. Plus some I sneaky like power. I like that. So that gives you a lot I'm of not s- right there. Uh, exactly. So I'm not saying that Ruiz is going to be necessarily the difference-making bat that Josh Bell would have been this year. But Asteri Ruiz is like 23 years old. And he's been up with the Padres a little bit this year and yeah. is on the Brewers' 40-man roster. Now, Pedro Severino was also DFA'd today, creating an open 40-man roster spot. You know who's not on the 40-man roster yet? Sal Frelick, Garrett Mitchell, and Joey Weimer. Weimer's my Those boy. three are not on the 40-man roster. So when we're talking about center field, you have three guys that just got moved up to AAA who could potentially make the major league roster if, say, Jonathan Davis starts struggling or one of those three gets super hot. You can add them to the 40-man roster, call them up. So there's opportunity there with that open 40-man roster spot. Okay. So... That's the Josh Hader trade. A half an hour later, um, let's Man. let's go to let's go to Matt Bush. Let's talk about that trade. Ah, so Matt Bush has been really really good for Texas. Um, he is a two and one record, a two nine five ERA, and 
he has not given up a earned run in his last 12 appearances. So this is a guy that's going to come in, jump right into the, the bullpen, and he's just going to continue his dominance. Also getting back a guy like Jake Cousins. This bullpen. Yes, is, my man. We have really, really reshaped this bullpen in the last couple of years, and really it might be the strongest portion of this team. Even with this, considering the starting rotation as the Cy Young. You know, think about Dude, that. Three dudes in the Cy Young top ten last year. And you got a guy in Devin Williams who might win reliever of the year over Josh Hader just because of how dominant he's been. And yes, Josh Dude, if Hader, he extends a streak past Josh Hader's streak, I mean, I, <laughs> there's no reason why Devin Williams couldn't win that. Yeah, yeah he, might, he might win reliever of the year. We might have the Cy Young. People wanted him traded in the first week of the season. People wanted him traded because he got off to a slow start. I know. Those are the same people that are freaking out week one after week one last year. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, it's uh, insane. But Bush has been—he's been great. And, Edwin uh, Diaz is a good candidate. What was that? Edwin Diaz is a good candidate from the Mets. That dude strikes out fucking everybody. Yeah, that's—he's that's a fair candidate. But that's we'll see what happens. I just um, said it was a possibility. Yeah, go ahead. Because he's been very good. He'll be in the conversation for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Brewers, to get Matt Bush, gave up Mark Mathias and Antoine Kelly. I like Mark Mathias. I was happy for him that he was actually able to work back from his injury. Um, Antoine Kelly was a little bit of a questionable one. So um, Antoine Kelly was a guy who I'd seen as a, as a pretty solid Brewers prospect. He would have been pitching for the Timber Rattlers. Um, he got roughed up in his last outing. And from what I heard from people that were there and from uh, reporters after is that he had a bit of an anger attitude problem. So that could be part of the motivation there. Also, Antoine Kelly, if not added to the 40-man roster after this season, would be eligible for the Rule 5 draft and could just be picked off the Brewers and just taken away for nothing. So this deal honestly makes plenty of sense. To, to get Matt Bush, who, like Jake said, has a low ERA. Um, he actually has two years of team control. So you can you can keep Matt Bush in the bullpen next year as well. Uh, has a 101 whip. It's very low. Um, only a 3.2% barrel percentage. That is anemic low. That is so low for barrel percentage. That is... That is in the 96th percentile. Dude, this Brewer bullpen, man. I'm telling you, it's a strength now. Definitely a strength. Uh, David Stern says he has electric stuff. He's got a four, he's got a 97-mile-an-hour fastball that he uses 47% of the time and um, a curveball that he uses about 33% of the time. He has above-average velocity on his fastball, um, curveball, and cutter. Mm. So he's got all those. Um yeah, we'll get to that one yet, too, Matt. Um, looking at his three pitches that he throws, those are the only three pitches that he throws, which makes sense. That's why he's a reliever. Um, his opponent batting average versus his cutter is 280. His opponent batting average versus his curveball and fastball are both 180. Damn. <laughs> so the two pitches that he uses 80% of the time, opponents are batting 180 against. Damn, he turns everybody into Jackie Bradley Jr. <laughs> Shots fired. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. is batting like 204 this year. Let's be nice. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right. So, so that's Matt Bush. That that trade actually makes lots of sense to me. I think he's a much better um, relief option than than John Curtis and Daniel Norris, who were added at the trade deadline last year for relievers. Um, but let's go. Um, JBJ <laughs> catch it straight. Let's go to Tristan Peters and Trevor Rosenthal. Trevor Rosenthal. Um, actually, when you were talking about people who have the potential to save, he's actually 11 of 12 in saves, you know, for, his, for I believe it was this year I looked it up. Um, he has 38 strikeouts, a 148 uh, batting average against him and a 0.85 whip. Um, he has a 190 ERA, and his K per nine is 14.45. So this guy strikes people out. Um, he has a 97 to 100-mile-an-hour fastball that he just pumps in there whenever the hell he needs to. Um, he hits 100 on a regular basis. So yeah. we didn't we didn't lose the fire. Uh, I know Josh Hader was, was really our fireball guy in the bullpen, but he's got that fireball. And the thing that I really, really liked about him, and I know he hasn't pitched in a couple of years, but um, he has postseason experience. So him being that's in those good, high pressure that's situations. Point. That's a good know, point. That's what everybody's worried about. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna look into this. You know, he has postseason experience, he's been in those big time spots. So that's Trevor that's a Rosenthal, really good point. I'm not upset with this trade. I'm really not. And I know that people are upset with uh giving up Peters, uh, the prospect, but we got prospects in the hater deal. So we really kind of averaged everything out. And I believe that True. we made we made our back end and our middle relief stronger, in my opinion. So I believe that we got better. I believe that we got better. I really do. So David Stearns was one of the players that was, or one of the, um, one of the people that was at Trevor Rosenthal's showcase mm-hmm. um, and actually wanted to sign him. The giants just offered him more money. Um, so while he hasn't pitched in a while from, from the reports are that he's expected to be back healthy by the end of August, which still gives you an entire month of being able to use him in the regular season to get him acclimated, get him back up to speed. Um, and for a reliever, you know, he's only pitching one inning at a time. So it's not like you need to start by having him pitch three innings and then having him pitch four innings and then having him pitch five innings every five days. You can use him every other day or, you know, every three days. Um, it's not necessarily, Matt. I'm, I'll look it up right now to find out um, on what the money is with that. Um, Maybe the Giants ate some of the money. Because they did that with Lamette. Um, the Padres did that with Lamette that he's making like 4.5 this year. And the job, the Padres held on to like 3.3. Okay. That's actually um, So I will look up, I'll look up the giants right now to find out if they're retaining any of that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know he hasn't pitched since 2020, but I mean, you know, it's, it's like riding a bike for these guys. And like Tyler said, they, they have a month to get those kinks out of him. So if he can come back healthy, I, I heard that he has the hamstring issues right now that he's dealing with. But if he can come back healthy and we, we get him in some, some situations, you know, for the last month of the season and he gets his legs under him, it's like I said, it's like riding a bike. So he'll be, he'll be fine. So the, the Giants are holding on to $1.5 million of his contract. Okay. So they're, they're essentially paying for a third of his contract. There we go. So they're paying for a third. We're paying for 66% of attic and get some strikeouts and pump it up to a hundred miles an hour. Um, I'm okay with that. So this is, this is one of those situations where this whole time we've spent discussing what's the future going to bring. What's the future going to bring Trevor Rosenthal is a right now acquisition. 
Mm-hmm. So we've just, you know, we've discussed, you know, not wanting to go all in. But then when it comes to the Trevor Rosenthal deal, the mindset flips and it's why are we trading a prospect for a guy that's only going to be here for one year? So that's where, like, yes, the mindset does change a little bit, but you got to you gotta hold all of these perspectives at the same time instead of looking at this is the only way I'm going to view the Josh Hader trade, that it sucks for right now, and I don't care about the future. But then when you get to a Trevor Rosenthal deal, it's like I only care about the prospect of the future and not the guy we're getting right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's – it's a balance, and that's you know, that's what David Stearns gets paid to do is to hold on to that balance. So you gotta you gotta be able to have that that viewpoint at all times, in all situations. So for for anybody who wants to complain about David Stearns not making any moves to help in twenty twenty two, this is one of those deals. If Trevor Rosenthal gets back healthy, pans out, like Jake said, the postseason experience thing is a really good point. And he has the velocity, and you could potentially get to a situation where you have a starter that goes five innings, and you essentially turn the game over to four closers. Yeah, I mean with with Rosenthal, Boxberger, Rogers, and Williams, and that's before you even get to Hobie Milner. That's before you even get to Jake Cousins. That's before you get to Matt Bush. And they all have different. You're talking styles. about a shit ton of dominance in the bullpen. Yeah, that is dude. so much. And we talk like we know that that um days off in between starts gets shorter in the postseason too. So mm-hmm. you could potentially go Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, stack Ashby and Hauser together and have a, a four man playoff rotation and still have all that dominance in the bullpen and like Jake said, the contrasting styles. Without even having to use Brent Suter or John Del Gustave or Miguel Sanchez. Yeah. I mean, that's a really, really good position to be in. And now let's flip to let's flip to the next discussion, which is why didn't the Brewers add a bat? And <clears throat> this is this is it's a little bit of a gamble. It, like I admit, it's a bit of a gamble by betting on the guys that you have. But there is some some credence as to why David Stearns is doing that. The first reason is because, like, it was reported that Stearns was in and on calls about a lot of the guys. Um, but essentially you don't want to give up too much just for the sake of making an acquisition. They did that with Jonathan Scope, and it sucked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so you know, that's that's just an example. That's only one example. But, you know, betting on, betting on a handful of guys to continue to improve as they have versus betting on one guy to come and save your entire offense – I understand why they didn't make a deal just for the sake of making a deal. Who the heck is the guy we got from the damn Diamondbacks last year? I can't think of his damn name. Eduardo Escobar? Yeah. Dude, wasn't he supposed to just kill for us? And he, he wasn't that good for us, in my opinion. He, he had some good games here and there, but he was obviously right, not enough to win a World Series. They made a they made a move last year. They, they kind of were aggressive last year going to get a guy. He was, like, one of the best players in the National League when he was on the Diamondbacks, you know, before he came over to us. And then, I don't know. People just forget how to hit Milwaukee for some reason. I don't know what it is. You know, but you know, you look at trade de- uh, trade deadline, but not the off season when David Stearns traded Jackie Bradley Jr. and one of their draft picks for Hunter Renfro. Yeah, that was that was robbery. 
<laughs> you like you could put David Stearns in a blanket factory museum for the fleecing of that deal. Yeah, he, he destroyed them on that one. <laughs> that was a bad joke, but I don't care. <laughs> I'm using it to make my point. Uh, <clears throat> so let's go. Let's start with overall what the Brewers offense is. It's fourth in home runs. Now, from from the beginning of the season, the first half until now. So this, yeah, Renfro definitely didn't forget how to hit. He apparently remembered it the middle of the season. Yeah. Uh, so I looked at a bunch of stats when we did the midseason check-in uh, during the All-Star break, and now we are, what, like 10 days later? So I'm going to look at where the Brewers have come from the first half of the season and where they are now just from the small stretch that they've had since the All-Star break. So the Brewers are still fourth in home runs. Barrel percentage, they went from ninth to seventh. So they're seventh in Major League Baseball in barrel percentage. On base percentage, they went from 16th to eighth. They've jumped up eight spots in on base percentage since the All-Star break. Slugging percentage, they went from 10th to seventh. Hard hit percentage, they're still 13th. And then in batting average, they went from 24th to 17th. All right, that's improvement. So the Brewers have moved up quite a bit as far as offensive statistics are concerned. Now, let's get a little bit more specific even. I'm looking at Christian Yelich, Colton Wong, Rowdy Telez, Hunter Renfro, and Luis Urias since the All-Star break. Hunter Renfro is second in home runs to only Aaron Judge, who's going to hit fucking 60 home runs this year at the pace he's going. Renfro is second to only Aaron Judge in home runs since the All-Star break. Luis Urias is batting 306, a 395 on base percentage, and 528 slugging. That's very good. This is all in a like a four against the Rockies, two against the Twins, three against the Red Sox, and one against the Pirates. So this is a 10-game sample size. So it's it's a small sample size, but it's it's a chunk. It's a chunk. So yes, Ruiz is making his debut tonight. That's that's awesome. Um Ruiz is already on the 40-man roster, so they don't have to make a roster spot for him. So that other that 39 roster man or the 39 roster spots, that open spot is open for either Frelick, Weimer, or Mitchell. Um, Ruiz is already on the 40-man, so he could just be called up at any time. <clears throat> so Rowdy Telez since the All-Star break. 314, 415 on base, 657 slugging. That is very good. Christian Yelich since the All-Star break. 357, 471 on base percentage, 524 slugging. Colton Wong, 471 batting average, 513 on base percentage, and a 794 slugging since the All-Star break. He's been raking, dude. <laughs> that's that's five dudes that have essentially, in the last 11 games, demolished everything they've done in the first half. Yeah, like I said, I admit it's a it's only a, a ten game sample size, but that's still pretty decent. Um, and then you're looking at Willie Adamas, Andrew McCutcheon, uh, between Omar Narvaez or Victor Caratini, uh, Tyrone Taylor, all guys that have room for improvement, but all have the capability. Mm-hmm. So the Brewers' offense is showing. I mean, five guys using it as an example are showing the capability. It just comes down to the execution. 
So the opportunity is there for the Brewers to have a good offense. I just ran through the stats. They've they've moved up in several key areas as far as offense is concerned. Mm-hmm. So the opportunity, the possibility, the capability is there. It's just going to come down to execution, and we're going to find out in the rest of August if the Brewers can make that execution. Yeah. It's uh, it's getting pretty close to the nitty-gritty, in my opinion, man. So this is this is a quote that I use for myself, and I'm going to throw it out there at the Brewers right now too. It's that extremity creates capability. So you get into a situation where it's like you guys need to step up and hit or we're going to be a first-round playoff exit. Yeah. But that extremity can create the capability that the Brewers have. It's just going to come down to execution. And if that happens, there's no reason why the Brewers can't be one of those teams that gets into the playoffs as, you know, not a number one seed, powerhouse, whatever you want to call them, but makes a hot run in September like they have mm-hmm. and October and goes and wins the World Series. There's no reason to believe that, especially with as dominant as the pitching can be. Yeah. They, they can uh, – they can. Uh, yeah. yeah. The bases loaded trend kind of sucks. I'm gonna lie, I'm not gonna lie about that. But who knows? Maybe they maybe they'll just go crazy and start getting a bunch of base hits and bases loaded. That's just how baseball works, man. It it goes in streaks. Like the Brewers, like the Brewers head into a crazy amount of double plays for some reason. Like that's one thing where like the Brewers just hit the ball on the ground a lot. Um, it's not necessarily for any bad reason. Like Christian Yelich last night was unlucky. Like Christian Yelich was smacking the cover off the ball last night, but just right at people. So that's that's an unfortunate thing, but that's just baseball. Um, so let's start with the let's start with the Red Sox series. Let's start with Game One of the Red Sox series. What did you see in that game? Well, this uh, we didn't know, but this actually ended up being the last game that Hader was a Brewer and he pitched. Yep. So. Uh, Woodruff, he was really, really good. He, you know, we've talked about it a bunch of times since he come back. He looks like Brandon Woodruff, looks like a top five side young guy. Um, he had six and a third, four hits, only the one walk for the entire pitching staff. So that's bueno. Um, uh, two walks and the nine Ks. Um, the Brewers struck out a lot of Red Sox on this night. I believe it was 14 or 15. Um, I didn't write it down, but uh, Boxberger was really good in this game. He came in for Woodruff. Uh, pitch two thirds. Uh, Williams and Hader, obviously, like we've seen the last couple of years, just shut shit down. Uh, they score four runs without a home run. So whenever the Brewers score runs without home runs, I'm like, holy shit, man, we're a baseball. <laughs> this thing. Um, Kutch, Yelly, Taylor, Adamas. Uh, this was the game, I believe. Oh no, or was it the next game where we were arguing with that guy on Twitter and Yelich got the big hit to take the lead? Was it this game or was it was it Friday night or Saturday? Uh... It happened both times. This was the game where Yelich scored a run and drove in a run. Okay, so I believe it was this game. Yeah, we were arguing with a guy on Twitter about how he was trash. He was overpaid, and all of a sudden, Yelich gets the hit to give the Bruce yeah. the lead. I was like, <laughs> yeah. ah, poetic justice. I don't understand why you would complain about a lack of RBI from a leadoff hitter. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. The dude literally is the first guy to bat, so there's nobody on base for him when he gets his first at bat. And then he's batting behind the bottom of the lineup. Yeah. So, I mean, unless you're expecting the bottom of the lineup to get on base a ton or for Yelich to just drive up his RBI numbers by hitting a shit ton of solo home runs from the leadoff position, I'm looking more at how many runs that Yelich is scoring than how many he's driving in. 
Yeah, and his on-base percentage is really what matters. You know, as the leadoff right. guy. Right. Um. No, the Brewers just a nice old-fashioned win here. Uh, they yeah. went they went with the ace, then they locked it down the seventh, eighth, ninth, and that's just that's just how Brewers has been operating the last couple of years. So this was just yeah. old-fashioned win. So you mentioned Woodruff. Um, he struck out the side in the third. At one point, he had retired thirteen batters in a row. Um, yeah. And Matt just said it in the comments that Woody looks like a lockdown ace again. Since returning from the injured list, he is four and zero. Has a two hundred six ERA over thirty five innings pitched, only giving up eight runs. Has a one ninety five batting average against and forty eight strikeouts. Wow. So. Yeah, Woodruff looks like a lockdown ace again. And part of that Josh Hader savings can also be applied to Brandon Woodruff because he's going to be coming up on arbitration again too. So um, Christian Yelich had two hits. Willie Damas had three hits. The Brewers were three for eight with runners in the scoring position in this game. Um, and they left eight men on base. So yeah. um, plus two of their four runs were scored with two outs. So that's, that's good to see too. Um, two out hitting is definitely the mark of a good team. Um, and something I'm really going to keep a closer eye on as we get down the stretch. Um, so let's go, let's go to game two. Um, Andrew McCutcheon, he smoked a double off the green monster. That's probably gone in 29 mm-hmm. out of 30 ballparks. Yeah. <laughs> Boston being so, the only one that it stays in, but that's, 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 that's the quirkiness of, of, Fen, of Fenway Park. So, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> Eric Lower did have two walks in the first inning. He wiped one, uh, the first one out with a pickoff. Uh, Omar, Omar Narvaez hit a home run. It was due. He was his first home run since July 3rd. Um, if you hang a 78 mile an hour curveball over the middle of the plate, Hunter Renfro is going to just hit it to another city. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right Renfro, now, guys, oh my God, dude. He's like, he's going to destroy the baseball if you hang a curveball against him. Yeah. Absolutely destroyed. Uh, Luis Urias got a hit to help get in some insurance runs. Tyrone Taylor hit a home run and another extra base hit for him. Bruce mm-hmm. scored nine runs in this game. Seven different players had RBI. And they left 10 on base. That was This was and the game they I on base. They were four for 17 with runners in scoring position, left 10 on base, and scored nine runs driven in by seven different players. That is the potential of this offense. That is exactly the potential of this offense. Yep. Uh, they have five players with multiple hits as well. It was nice to see Rodney Tellez mm. have a good game. Um, he was three for four. So um, all good things from game two. We got the series win. Everybody was feeling good. And then yep. and then you, you take two wells in a row and you get to the trade deadline and all the winers come back up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with the we game got these two, guys over here, man. What the heck's yeah, going on? Yeah, that's, that's freaking spam, <laughs> whatever. Um, five of the Brewers' nine runs, too, were scored by small ball as well. Yeah. So the Brewers scored four runs by the homer and five by small ball. So um, scoring in multiple ways, that's another thing that I'll probably be keeping an eye on. Um, but let's go Let's go to game three. Let's go to game three. We can talk about it quick if you want. Yeah, uh, they weren't as good in this game. I mean, Renfro had the homer in the first inning, uh, got yep. the Brewers on the board right away. Um, Ashby, four and a third, five hits, had the three walks. All, the only three walks for the entire pitching staff, by the way. So the bullpen has been doing its job lately. Um, and he had the six Ks. Um, Milner did give up two earned runs, which sucks. But 
he's barely given up anything all season. I know, I know. He's, I just want I just wanted to point it out that we're not just saying yeah. good things about him. He did give up two hundred runs. Right. It's gonna happen. Um not he deserves the benefit of a doubt. I yeah. agree. Um Brett Studer again, um, monster, and then Mr. DFA Strelesky. Uh he was all right in this game too. Give up two hits, but didn't give up any runs. Um, only had what was it? One, two, three players with uh, multiple hits in this game. So the Brewers' offense was quieted down a little bit. But like I said, I mean, I cared because I don't want us to lose ever. But we already got the series win. We took two out of three in Boston, so I was yep. okay with it. Um, Colton Wong is another guy you talked about. Christian Yelich using the opposite field more. Colton Wong, yeah. um, he was using the opposite field in this game as well. Um, Aaron Ashby looked really good through the first four innings. Um, this is another thing that I'm going to be watching is Aaron Ashby getting to the third time through the batting order. That was something he did really well in his last start against Colorado. And that led to a career high, um, in innings for him. That was his best, probably his best start of his career, his last time out against the Rockies. Mm -hmm. So that's something I'm going to be looking for Ashby is if he can get through the, the, the batting order three times, um, through a nasty change up to end the third inning. Struck out the side in the third inning, actually, too. Um, but then uh, Boston deserves some credit for this. Um, after after the error that extended the inning, the Boston six of their next eight hits were doubles, and all of yeah. them were just painting the lines. Like, you probably couldn't throw the ball closer to the line than the, than the Red Sox were hitting it. Yeah. So. At that point, credit goes to the Red Sox for hitting the ball perfectly where they mm -hmm. needed to to keep the to keep the line moving. Um, like Jake said, three players with multiple hits. That was Renfro, who was four for four, and then Yelich and Urias both had two each. Uh, Brewers only one for six in scoring position in this game and left eight on base. And then, like I said, if you know people are going to say the Brewers are just beating up on a bad division, even though they lost that game, they still took the series two to one. The Brewers are eleven and four in interleague play. Best in baseball. We got the Yankees coming to town this month, I believe it is. Or is it next month? Uh, that's, that's in September, yeah. It's in September, okay. The Yankees and the Mets both come to Milwaukee back-to-back. That's going to be tough. The Brewers have have some tough stretches. Um, Phillies are surging neck and neck with the Cardinals for the last wild card spot. Still 59 games to go, but second place in the NL Central could legitimately not make the playoffs. And that's, you know, that's what it's going to come down to is the division. Um, the Brewers and Cardinals have. So next Wednesday, we'll be, we'll be talking about what's next for the Brewers. The Cardinals are going to be on that list. Mm -hmm. um, so until we start playing against the Cardinals, that's when I'll start looking at the Cardinals a little closer. And like you said, 59 games to go. I'm not going to get super worried um, unless the Brewers suddenly fall like 10 games back or something like that. Yeah. Um, but let's go. Let's go to last night's game. Let's talk about the opener of the Brewers Pirates series. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to highlight the great defensive plays that were made last night. Luis Riaz made two very good plays and Colton Wong. He got caught up. In Dude, a that's a tough throw. Bro, that was like kind of an in-between bounce where it just kind of went into his gut. He had to get rid of it really fast. Picture picture. there's like a waist-high monkey bar, and you fold yourself in half, and you're like upside down hanging, and you're looking at your feet on a monkey bar, and then trying to throw a baseball straight. Yeah. That that's, was... that's basically where Colton Wong was last night on that throw. 
he flexed the gold glove last night, I will say, on that play. Yes, um, which also, is good. Was, need that from him. Yeah, also, he was three for three, had a run and an RBI. Um, yeah, he, he's been playing great, in my opinion. Um, Burns, uh, you never see this from Burns. You want to talk about a guy that de- deserves benefit of the doubt, but five walks from Burns is just yeah. unheard of. Seriously. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Tyler, I know you wanted to talk about the, the umpire, so I will save that for you. You know, um, it was annoying. You know, ahead, it is. Ahead. I don't like complaining about officiating. Like, I, I don't believe in it on a philosophical level of complaining about officiating because I always believe that there's ways you can win games without having to. Uh-huh. Um, but it was annoying because I really thought that the batter before O'Neill Cruz, um, that there was a missed call there, that Burns could have got out of that at-bat, and then the home run would have potentially been a two-run home run. And then the, the Willie Adamas error was tough. So between um, between that at-bat and then the Willie Adamas error – you know, if you clean those two things up, the potentially that game could have been tied at three, leaving that inning and not down five to three. Well, here, here's the next thought process: if he gets out of that at bat, right, the the O'Neill at bat's going to be completely different. You're going to pitch him completely different. Oh yeah, I mean, so I assume you know, assuming run. all things, the rest being the right, same, right. yeah, and, and you get out of that at bat, and then O'Neill Cruz still hits his home run. If Willie Adamas doesn't make the really really bad throw. Um, but I understand Willie trying to make, you know, just trying to make a play. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but it resulted in a two base error. Um, that run still would have scored, which would have made it three to three. And that's where you're at. So, and, there, and there was a pass ball by Carantini that allowed yeah. it to So, yeah. you know, these but without the error, score. that guy's still on first base. And then he moves over to second. True. And then he'd be the third run to score. I want to say one more thing about Wong. The the cool moment he had after well, right before his home run with the kid with the curly hair. Yeah. Yeah, where he was like, Oh shave my head if you had a home run, and then he goes like this. That was awesome, man. <laughs> I like that. That was funny. Um, so I mean we lost. It is what it is. It sucks yeah. that they only scored three runs against a guy that has an ERA of six. That's kind of troubling to me, but it's one game. Bruce and take the next two and then we'll be fine. You know what that is? That's the law of averages. Yeah, he's gonna have some games where he gives up a bunch of runs. He's gonna have some games where he doesn't give up a lot. Yep, it happens. Yep, hundred percent. So <clears throat> Tim and Matt are in agreement, and Jake and I, I'm sure, would agree as well. I'm glad that the Cardinals did not get Juan Soto, um, even though he's staying in the National League. Um, he's not in the National League Central, so that is good. Um, <clears throat> this game. Um, Corbin Burns was breaking out like the whole arsenal. Like I, I think I saw Corbin Burns throw five different pitches last night. Yeah. Um, so there's that. His control is off a little bit, but you know, like we said, we're gonna give him a little bit of time after dealing with Josh Hader being traded. Corbin Burns and Josh Hader were like best friends. So um, you know, Corbin Burns might be one of the guys that was affected more by it. Um he did work out of a leadoff triple in the second inning, bases loaded in the third inning. That's where the nice play by Colton Wong came in. Um, top of the sixth, the Brewers start hitting a bunch of home runs, and then the bottom of the sixth, uh, the Pirates come right back. Um, you know, Christian Yelich, Willie Dumas, Roddy Telez both had two hits, uh, or all had two hits. Colton Wong had three hits. Um, still 11 games over 500, seven and three since the All Star break. Um, I have no problem with pinch hitting Brasso. He's been a great 
pinch hitter for the Brewers this season. And then, like I said, Severino has been one of the few guys who's actually been successful against left-handed pitching. So I don't necessarily fault Craig Council for trying to go with a matchup there either, even with Colton Wong batting really well. Um, so <clears throat> we've talked about some of the offensive improvements. Um, the Brewers as a team had a meeting after the all-star break to discuss taking advantage of opponents at the plate. Um, basically not necessarily changing their philosophy, uh, which is to be patient at the plate. And that's what results in the Brewers being one of the lowest teams um, in zone swing percentage and first pitch swing percentage would be very low in chase rate, which is a good thing. Um, yeah. But just trying to, just trying to take advantage more. Um, Christian Yelich changed up his swing a little bit, which is part of it. But um, the, the Brewers have the opportunity and the capability it's just comes. It's just going to come down to execution. Um, the Cardinals trading Harrison Bader. I was a big fan of that because that dude's a Brewer killer. Yeah, I almost threw a goddamn parade for that. I was like, God, thank you. Yeah, Harrison Bader is a Brewer killer. So yeah, I'm well, glad he got traded. It'll be exciting to watch him in the World Series for the Yankees. Yeah. Well. Whatever. I'm really hoping for a Brewer, a Brewers Blue Jays World Series. I would be happy with that. Give a big old middle finger to Manfred. That would be sick. I, I would be, yeah, I'd be very cool with that. And most of the Brewers are vaccinated, if not all of them, because the Brewers are one of the teams like leading the charge in 2020, trying to get everybody to get vaccinated. So, and and Rowdy, Rowdy facing his former team in the series. Touche, touche. Be exciting. All right, so let's talk. Let's talk power pair. You want to do pitchers or position player first? Let's do pitchers first. All right, go ahead. Give me your power position or power pitcher. Uh, my power pitcher <laughs> is uh, Brad Boxberger. Um, in totality, some he had uh, two innings pitched. Uh, he had two hits, no runs, no walks, and two Ks. Um, he had a couple rough outings the week before, so for him to come back and pitch yeah. good, he pitched two-thirds, 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 which equaled two innings. Um, I think it's good, and he's going to have to take a bigger role in this team now with Josh Hader gone, so I just wanted to give him some love and show him some confidence. Um, I, I said the two thirds, two thirds, cause his two innings were over a span of three games. So he pitched in three games this week. So, right. um, wanted to give him some love. He's going to have to step up, but he has the experience and I'm, I'm all right with it. Let's go. So I also am the guy who's going to be stepping up in the absence of Josh Hader. I went with Devin Williams. It's, it's so hard to deny how good Devin Williams has been when you look at 30 consecutive scoreless innings. Or scoreless appearances, I should say. No. Um, I'd be okay with Brewers Rays too. Two small market teams. I the Brewers and the Rays are the same team. There. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, what's up, um so the Brewers and the Rays are very similar teams. Um, but I went with Devin Williams. The 30 consecutive scoreless appearances is a Brewers franchise single season record. Um, like I said, Josh Hader had done it, but it was over two seasons. Um, so Devin Williams is just going to continue breaking his own record and extending it. Um, and he's been so good. And I, at the beginning of the season, I know I hammered it hard to just be patient on his slow start. Like the first two games of the year, he was struggling. Um, and he gave up three runs on May 10th and nothing since then. Yeah. He's been really, really good. I remember all the people complaining, man. It was just like mm-hmm. that's why that? like I made a graphic of all of Devin Williams versus the one game sample size, and it's like a sliver versus like 
a stack of magazines yeah for for sample size so that's that's why you gotta just take a step back relax like i said take the sample size part of it and and just relax mm -hmm. i agree all right give me your position player i went with colton wong the guy has been raking he's been raking um this last week he was seven of 13. That is a 538 batting average, dude. Set. He had, in the first game, one hit, two hits, one hit, three hits. It's like, oh, my God, dude, this guy's going crazy. Um, four runs, two RBIs, and a walk. So, I mean, he's getting on base, he's scoring runs, and he's getting hits. So, Colton Wong, on top of playing, you know, gold glove-level defense, and people have been on him this season because he hasn't been, you know, very consistent. So, good. Yeah. if he can – take that bad first half of the season, first half of the season, and he can, right. you know, double Flip that up, you know, and, and, you know, switch it up, go to do a 180 of sorts and kind of, you know, be what we expect him to be, get base hits, get on base. I personally believe, and I'm one of these people, I don't know how you feel. I think he's the guy that should be in the two hole behind Yelich and they should move okay Willie down. And I'm not saying that in a bad way for Willie, but Willie is more of a power guy now. So yep. if you move Willie down to say the five, that's exactly where I would think. He, he's still in a premier pos, you know, batting position. He's yep. still going to, you know, get extra at-bats is what they like to say. I mean, so. Hunter Renfro has been batting sixth, and he's doing very well there. So Yeah. Put 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 Willie right in front of Hunter Renfro because people are not going to want to face Hunter with how good he's yep. doing. Give yep. Willie some meatballs and let him hit him out of the stadium. Yep. Yeah, totally fine with that. So I went with Christian Yelich, actually. Um, I mentioned since the All-Star break that he's 357, 471 on base percentage and a 524 slugging. Um, since he moved to the leadoff position, this is a pretty big sample size. Since he moved to the leadoff position, he's batting 305, a 411 on base percentage, and 431 slugging. So while the power numbers aren't there, he's getting on base 41% of the time, and he's batting over 300. If he gets the power back, he'll be Dude, Yelich. That's really it. That's really the only thing that's missing is the power. Uh, <clears throat> so Christian Yelich is actually on an 11-game hitting streak going back to the last game before the All-Star break. Has a hit in every game since the All-Star break. Yeah, just the so, guy just hits. He's, he's getting on base. He's doing his job. He's doing Bruce his job. Twitter always calls him a single specialist. <laughs> Which is okay with me. He's on base. I mean, I don't care. He's on, yeah, he's getting on base for the guys behind him. So what's next is tonight, Freddie Peralta is back. Um, like I said, don't be surprised if it's a short outing, probably 75 pitches or less, four innings or less. Mm -hmm. um, Brewers have an early finale tomorrow. And then Friday through Sunday, they are home against the Reds. And then Monday and Tuesday, they are home against the Rays. Um, after that, they have series against the Cardinals, Dodgers, Cubs, Dodgers, Cubs. So um, next week, Wednesday, we'll be talking, and, and we're going to be really looking forward to the following week. Not that you want to look past the Reds and the Rays and tonight and tomorrow against the Pirates, but that's what we're looking at. Uh, Matt, and yes, Christian Yelich has drawn a lot of walks this year. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm good with where Christian Yelich is at. Me too. I like it. <clears throat> All right. So – End of the day, patience is the is the key. Um, opportunity, capability, it's going to come down to execution. Um, you got anything else? No, but I do believe we have something to talk about. We do. 
So last thing before we go is Friday night, we will be doing a Packers special. Uh, we realize it's during family night at, at uh, Lambo, but that was unintentional. It's just kind of the way our schedules worked out. Uh, uh-huh. So Friday night, we have a Packers show. We're going to be discussing preseason players we're looking for, um, doing some progress and regress for a bunch of Packers players. We each have one offense and one defense. So Jake, myself, Simon, and Brian. Um, so we're going to each be covering two players on um, offense, one to progress and one to regress, and then the same thing on defense. Um, and then after that, we have a show coming August 26th. That'll be the day after the last preseason game. On um, the following Friday after that, Jake and I are doing a bonus episode on some of the basics of football, basketball, probably a little bit of baseball in there as well. And then after that, every single Friday we're having Packers shows. So um, we're getting really excited for that. Uh, we're getting closer to it. So starting with this Friday, we're going to have a Packers show, and then uh, then we're going to be ramping them up. So. Yeah, um, this next uh, this next Packer episode on Friday is going to be really, really good. That's uh, going to be good. You know, I'm excited for the progress regress uh, section, but I'm really excited. There's a lot of research going into that. I, I'm, I'm excited about the, the coaching aspect. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so that's a good can, thing to bring up, too. We're going to so cover the assistant of, coaches, yeah. Yeah, we Let can people know. them. And, yeah, yep. And the, the thing that I kind of did is I, I wanted to, you know, show their experience uh, where they've coached before, what yep. positions they coached before, the position they're filling in Green Bay. Some um, of the players they've worked with. So when you're watching, um, one of my position coaches is the outside linebacker coach. And so when you're watching the outside linebackers and you're watching the young guys and you're like, oh, my God, this guy's so much better this year than he was last year. Is this you know, what happened? What did he do on the offseason? Maybe it's a coaching change. Maybe he's the guy that, that you know sparks something in this certain player that made him go to the next level. Maybe he's the guy that's going to really make Rashawn Gary go to his next level. So yeah. it's just kind of introducing the coaches. I think that's a cool thing. It's probably good yeah. for people to know. Get people some name familiarity are. with some of those guys. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to be awesome. Um, yeah, I'm excited for the Friday night episodes. James, as uh, far as the Hall of Fame game is concerned, like it might be on in the background. I'm not going to go out of my way, but. I'll probably watch like the first couple of minutes just because, like, oh my god, America's going to be watching the first couple of minutes, you know, because right. football. football's back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'll so be. it'll probably be one of those moments, and then after that, it'll be all watered down because I don't give a crap about the Raiders or the Jaguars. Is that who it is, right? Raiders and Jags, I believe it is. Um, yes, it is tomorrow. Matt, football's back yep. tomorrow. So the Brewers don't. Are Brewers? Jesus Christ, many Packers. Packers. <laughs> Good God, they don't play until what? Following. Saturday? Following week, I'm not sure if it's Friday or Saturday. I know they have I some preseason games on Fridays, but yeah. Oh, okay. So they play Saturday, a Saturday, and then a Friday. Um, so I believe, yeah, I think it's the next. I Saturday think it's. I think it's that. Saturday. I think it might be Saturday, Friday, Thursday. The last one's a Thursday because we're doing the show on that Friday. So. Oh shit! Let me see. Damn, I didn't even catch that. But yeah. Um. Either way, it'll be nice. I'm gonna be really. really I mean, a little spoiler alert. I'm gonna be. I'm excited about Jordan Love. Everything I'm hearing about Jay Love, man, he's throwing uh, fireballs. He's got some touch. I mean, it's gonna be nice. Hopefully, I hope Jordan Love just absolutely lights the preseason on fire, so we can just talk so much crap, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, Jordan Love, we have the next Hall of Famer in line, <laughs> right? <laughs> All right, man. I'm looking forward to that. I will see you on Friday night. Yes, sir. I'll see you there as well. All right, I'll be there. All right, take care, buddy. See you Friday. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.